0: Welcome to the Voice of the Shepherds Monthly Podcast. With over 130 years of combined pastoral experience, these trusted international ministry leaders bring their deep love and respect for one another to offer you riveting and candid discussions that can shift paradigms. Here is your host, Dr. Kim Moss.
1: Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Move Forward podcast. This is your host, Dr. Kim Moss. And today we are bringing you Voice of the Shepherds, as we do twice a month now. And uh, so I'm your host, but I have my guests as usual, Dr. Nick Goff, Dr. Alan Hawkins, and Dr. Rodney Hope. They all hate to be called doctor, let me tell you. So you can call them Nick and Alan and Rodney, and you can just call me Kim. It works just fine. Hey, guys. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here.
2: Hey, Kim. Hey,
1: Man, we've got lots to talk about today, huh? There's just a lot going on. And the thing that we were going to talk about uh, has gotten pushed to the side because of what's (laughs) going on. And so (laughs) today, you know, everyone's talking about revival. And so I wanted to talk with you as shepherds about revival, because I think that there's a lot of misunderstanding around that. I think that there's a lot going on around that. And of course, we have just been through several weeks of the Asbury "quote unquote" revival, or awakening, or visitation, or outpouring, and um, I don't care what you call it, I think it's the Holy Spirit. So let's just go ahead and talk about that. Have any of you been listening in on the Asbury live stream?
3: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And it's been good.
1: I listened in one morning when I was uh, doing my devotions, I decided I would do that for my devotion, you know, and uh, it was so, I was so astonished at how ordinary, yet how powerful it was. I just was very moved. I could feel the Holy Spirit. Um, As I watched, um, I watched professors and teachers and, you know, the adults come up and give some announcements and you know they just were they just allowed it to be what it was without trying to make anything happen and I really appreciated that so what did you think when you listened in
2: Kim I kind of felt the same thing it's it's not hype uh it's not the big show it's simple it's the antithesis of of kind of American church today it uh it's And and I'm also appreciative of a lot of the background stories, not what primarily is going on there, but the stories of people that have traveled from Brazil. That I heard the story of a a Korean seminary professor who was Mm -hmm. so hungry for revival and so hungry for the move of God that he literally quit his job, goes there with his wife. Uh, I'm proud of the city in Kentucky because it's a small town, and I don't think for our listeners it's a town of 5,000 and having lived in small towns and you might have a subway and maybe one or two motels. Uh, it, it doesn't have the capacity to handle such a, a big move of God. You know, So literally they're bringing food in for people and helping the people and kudos out to the administration of Asbury, who I think are trying to handle the logistics of what is now becoming At least it has the attention of the world right now. Of how to handle something like this, and and I don't think people realize the cost of revival and what that looks like. In 1994, we happened to be at a church where it just came down, and we had meetings every day for two years. And I can look back on that. and go, yeah, we met every day for two years, but a short meeting in our context might be five or six hours, and the the pulling of resources uh, physically, emotionally on the people that are involved with it. So I want to, I want to say thank you Asbury for, for hosting that and be willing to sacrifice for them. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we all have a friend who, who serves there, you know, who's serving uh, Dr. Craig Keener. He uh, has been on this show a few times and uh, you all know him and he's a friend of mine and he is a professor there at Asbury and he is a, world-class scholar, you know, we all know him. And, but yet he is the kindest and most humble guy. Just, he's just such a, a wonderful man. And, uh, and he was ushering, you know, oh. he was taking people to their seats. I just, <laughs> I just love that. And when I, when I texted him and said, Hey, tell me, tell me, tell me, that's how I wrote it. Tell me, tell me, tell me in all caps. And with, you know, cause that's how I am. And uh, he was just <laughs> like, Sister Kim, it's just beautiful what God is doing among the students. Yeah. <laughs> it was so wonderful.
3: <laughs>
1: so yeah. tell me, let's talk about okay. So tell me what actually is revival because there's a lot of discussion about this. There's a lot of, you know, craziness around this and uh, and I think revival as a word has become a lot like, you know, what was I saying the other day? Like I love hot dogs. I love my husband as though those two are things are the same, and so people throw around that word, and then it stirs up a lot of you know uh, opposition and, and craziness actually. But what actually is revival?
4: Well, it would help if we would uh, if we would just be uh, realistic and understand that words have multiple usage. So, like, if you say the word God, there's a generic use of the word God, and then there's a sacred use of the word God. So revival is kind of an umbrella term for something is stirring in the church that appears to be more than human enthusiasm. It appears to be the hand of God. Um, um, Or it is... I guess a, a more technical term, uh, I think people refer to awakenings. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know. I'll let you guys weigh in there's like there's not a there's not a definite when people are talking about it, there's not a definition that everyone agrees on right. right Revival first of all, involves the church because the church comes awake. Wake up, old sleeper. And rise from the dead. Christ will yeah. shine on you. Um, so first the church gets awakened. Um, but it, I think most of us think that real revival impacts the culture as well.
2: Absolutely. And I, I think the measurability of it, Kim, uh, we look at, at revival moves. It's It can't be measured in days. It has to be measured in decades. And so we, we sit back and we look and like, what, what was the fruit of that? For example, like the Toronto Blessing, 1994, Margaret Paloma writes a book called Modern Mystics. She's a sociologist, and she's like, what was the impact of all that? Whether you like it or don't, six million people came into the kingdom of God as a result of that movement. Jesus' revolution is out. We'll talk about that later. But uh, Mm -hmm. you see the fruit of the Jesus movement years later, and what was the fruit of that? And so... I am I'm I agree with Alan. It's it's something that impacts culture
3: and spreads. Well, growing up, revival was a week, which we all <laughs> had. Right.
4: <laughs> yeah. And I, I your it holds a chance. you were real spiritual two weeks. Come to oh, the test. Yeah. <laughs> if it really extended. We're having a revival. Right. Yeah,
3: we are. It was We had Pack-a-Pew night. Yeah. yeah. We had oh. uh, <laughs> it was it was a set of meetings
4: those were rooted rodney in the the camp meetings of cane ridge weren't they those were yeah we couldn't couldn't go away the culture got to where you couldn't go away so you just gathered at your place and you had a revival
3: yeah yeah and and so i mean that's that was like what i thought it was you know that's what revival is and and then you know then i began to read about all these awakenings and these moves of god and uh so whenever i think revival i i kind of put a little bit a different kind of connotation on that word uh it's like i'm not really going for revival i'm going for awakening i think that i like that word even reformation if it's something that's worldwide that's it's but you know people call it the revival and i think alan's right you know it starts in the church the people of God have to really become, become alive. And of course, that's how it is. You know, we're wanting to, to be revived and, and uh, get something fresh, something, get a, get a spark. And so that, that's, that's, that's my history of that particular word. But, uh, I love when I just see God beginning to move in different places. And, uh, cause you know, it's something, it's something bigger.
1: Gosh, I hadn't. Well, I hadn't doing? remembered. I hadn't remembered Rodney about um, having a week-long revival or a day. You know, and actually, we talk about we talk about the measure, but sometimes I'm not sure it can be measured all that well. You know, and I know that I I have seen posts come out. About, um, you know, measuring it against the Jesus movement, measuring it against Toronto, measuring it again. You know, and I I don't know, because when I was uh, 13, that's when I got saved and I got saved at a youth revival meeting. (laughs) I mean, that's what we that's what it was called, a youth revival meeting. And all that meant was that there was going to be a speaker that would come in who was an evangelist. And he was coming in to save souls. And uh, and all the kids, well, because this was a youth meeting, all the kids were supposed to invite friends who were unsaved. And I got invited. It wasn't my church. I got invited. And, man, I got saved. I mean, it was a moment in my life when I felt the fire got on my chest. And I was sobbing, weeping. And I had to go from the top of the balcony down to the altar, to get myself saved. I wanted some Jesus, you know, (laughs) and, uh, and it was a real, it was a real salvation for me. But I, I mean, I didn't walk in really in the fullness of, of following Jesus and, and fulfilling a call that was on my life until much later, but I did, I did get saved. And so, you know, that wasn't counted in that church. I didn't get counted. I didn't, I, so there was, I was not part of whatever they measured, for their if they were successful or not, yet surely the Holy Spirit was there, and surely the Holy Spirit brought me from death to life, which is the which is the actual, you know, definition of revival to bring something dead to life. So so I agree with you. Is there biblical precedence for revival? We talk about it so much in the church, especially in the charismatic church. We're always looking for a revival.
2: Well, I think we see it with the nation of Israel in the Old Testament where kings would come on and, and there would be a visitation from the Lord. There'd be repentance. There'd be tearing down of of the altars, uh, the high places. Uh, it was it was an, a national reformation that Israel experienced many times. Uh, with the New Testament, I, we see invasion of cultures that where God will get hold of new believers and it starts to spread. And then we've seen historically. Classic revival movements, Great Awakenings, and throughout our nation, some people say two Great Awakenings, three Great Awakenings, but there's been substantial cultural moves where it's been transformative of culture. And I think that's part of the litmus test of a true revival. It it, it the church is awakened and the church goes and culture is transformed.
4: I think that one of the one of the reasons why why we think about this as normative is uh last book of our new testament has seven letters to seven churches yeah. and for the most part those letters are calls to repentance it's not unanimous because there are there's vestiges of churches that that are walking in you know they're walking in relationship but for the most part this it's a call to repentance and it's a new Testament call to repentance. It's not the repent and be saved. It's the repent and be realigned with the God you claim yeah. to be serving. Returned.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. 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 Well,
1: personally, I think, I think in the book of Ruth, it's a revival. <laughs> I think <laughs> Naomi gets revived and then, uh, and then uh, Obed and Obed is born and, Uh, you know, at the end, Ruth has, has her baby. And I think that they're revived. I think the land is restored. I think their faith in God is restored. And then I think they move on and they, they begin to uh, further the seed line as you would always call it. uh, Mr. Hawkins, Dr. Hawk, um, because, and so I think that's, I think it starts with death and I think it ends in life. And I think that's a book of revival. I think the entire Bible is
4: about revival (laughs)
3: amen let's let's talk about
4: asbury for a minute a little bit more because the yeah the consistent thing that i've heard um like number one we keep talking that the new the next move of god in the earth would be very different than the last yeah and uh one thing that is apparent everywhere i see this thing is it has a gentleness to it it has a peacefulness to it yeah. it has a uh, humility about it that um, seems to be the driving characteristic everyone that I've talked to who's been there they say it's not it's not like the only thing amazing is the presence of God it's not amazing in terms of what you're seeing among the people what you're seeing among the people is normative people getting saved some getting healed some getting free um, but But what's extraordinary is that everyone that I talk to says, you just don't want to leave. You (laughs) just want to stay there.
3: Yeah.
4: Pretty
2: pretty. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a great point, Alan, because I think a lot of times we try to define what God is doing today by what God has done in the past. And in the, and the movement of the Holy Spirit, and you know, what we saw in Toronto was a uh, more of a violent, rushing wind, people getting blasted and shaking and baking. Some of the things that we see in the first Great Awakening, uh, but in this, we're just seeing the gentle flow of the Holy Spirit. That and from I, that's people that I've talked to said the same thing.
3: Yeah,
2: uh, that they are talking about the glory and how the glory is there, the presence of God, and and not wanting to leave and and lingering. But it's def- definitely wooing people in. What I love is is young people uh, and the call to repentance and the revelation of the reality of Christ and for a generation who has been walked away. I mean, what's it? 80% of our youth have walked away from the church. And and I love that God is calling them back, calling a generation back.
3: You know, the, the scripture, when it talks about the kingdom, is it, it says when it when the kingdom comes up, it's like a blade, you know, it starts off small. It's it's. And when that thing comes up, it's like, you look at it and you say, is, is, is that wheat or is that a weed? I mean, you can't really tell in the very beginning what it is as it begins to come up and, and you begin to recognize what it is when, as it begins to take shape, all the moves of God, they begin in immaturity they begin where you you look at and you go, is that God or is that not God? Right. And so we begin to try to judge whether or not it's God or not based upon a different move or another move that we begin to see it in maturity. That's one reason they rejected, you know, the Toronto thing or Pensacola. Uh, I mean, you know, we look back and we go, okay, well, the Jesus movement, that happened to be God because we see the fruit of that. Uh, we look at, you know, Nick, you gave that, that uh, statistic about, about the Toronto thing. I always like Randy. Randy's always singing, you know, time is on our side. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. (laughs) You know, he said eventually you will see that this is God. You will, when you begin to be an examiner of fruit and, uh, but those when things start off, you're going to have a mixture of, you know, you're going to have some flesh, you're going to have some demonic stuff, you know, and you're going to have some Holy Spirit stuff. That was really apparent in the in the Toronto with that that particular mixture here. But this one, I don't know. It just it's it's coming in a form, and and I think all of these moves of God just look different. This is coming in a way that I think you're you're feeling it like it's more God in the beginning, <laughs> because it is it is present. You know, when God, when God moved in on Asbury back in 19, or was it 1905, you know, right. When there, there's, there's that move that was uh, happening and uh, you know, Azusa street and then you got the Welsh revival, you got, it's all the same part of the same move, something in Kansas, you know, and Asbury, I think he had a little something going on there, but theirs was more of a holiness emphasis than, than the, uh, you know, than what we see going on in the, in the other places. So this one, I think, kind of follows even some of the the traditions of, of the Methodists, you know, mm-hmm. the encounters of the Holy Spirit. There's a flavor that seems to be resident of what the Methodists carry, you know, that we see coming from John and Charles Wesley, the av- aspect of prayer, uh, just just this presence of God. And, and everything I've heard It's kind of like, like Alan mentioned, they're just like, I just want to hang out here. I don't know. I, I, just, I just want to stay here. And that,
4: that's, I, I like that. <laughs> it's not common that we're not jumping in on each other. That's
1: true. No.
2: <laughs>
1: I, I know it. I know. You guys are a little bit well, quiet this well, morning. We're
2: one another. Totally. I, you know, I... Uh, as you I as remember? I have
1: watched, as I've watched what's been going on there, I have been a little bit struck by um, how it is exposing other things. I think that in the last several years, and I want to bring it into a, a bigger context because what I see in the bigger picture is um, I see I see this thing rising up and exposing other parts of the church. As we see. Critiques coming and opposition coming and and, you know, insults coming and then and others jumping on the bandwagon and, you know, thousands coming from all over the world. I think there's an exposure happening. Um, And I think that many of the things that have gone on in the last several years uh, with covid and the elections have been exposing. And I think it's God. I think God is exposing things for us to see so that the church can again uh, look at itself and say, OK, what are the things here? Where have we gotten out of alignment with God? The Sort of the thing that you said, Alan, earlier, that a revival causes us to return to Jesus in a way that we realign with him uh, so that there can be fruit, so that we can bear the fruit that Jesus asked us to bear. So I'm, I'm interested to, to hear what you, what you guys think about that. But I think that it's another thing that God is using to expose where we are in the church. You know, there's just some of the skepticism and the dismissive ways that people, you know, I mean, we have a group of young people. Who are getting touched by the holy spirit who are returning to god in an in a new way we have others hunger i think it has exposed the great hunger that there is right now i think yeah. the last several years has caused us caused all of us to feel a little bit dry has caused us to to have a longing to feel the presence of God to be renewed to be revived whatever you want to call it to be awakened you know and and i think that's what you're seeing here with people flying from all over the world some people waiting in line 9 10 hours just to get in and have a taste of the of the presence of God this is a hunger and then to have others step in and oppose and criticize it it's like how can you you know in my in my heart I look at that and I say, and I say, my gosh, when I see all these hungry people, I just say, God, you are setting us up to be the church. We need to touch people. We need to bring the gospel. The only thing that is salvation in this hour is the Holy Spirit and the gospel of the kingdom, Jesus Christ and they are longing for they're looking for something and I think when you step in so quick to criticize and to be skeptical and you don't see the hunger you're missing your opportunity to bring the kingdom which is what we're supposed to do as the church
4: I would like to step in on this um, the, the thing of opposition because um, I, I did I did watch some of the critical, expressions about whether asbury is a move of god and just i think they they take fallacious lines of argument like one of the arguments that comes is uh they hear news that someone that they don't like is going to asbury and they immediately say any movement that would attract this person is probably not god um which (laughs) is wonderful in that uh, the leadership at Asbury has wonderfully kept the the leadership of this move among the students where it was begun yeah,
3: yeah.
4: and uh, the other thing you hear is uh, people who have ought against the institution for instance they don't like its egalitarian view of women in ministry uh, or they or they go after go after it on some social issues that I don't know whether, Asbury has official positions. But they immediately say, if this was real revival, they would repent of those unbiblical um, positions. And as a systematic theology teacher, I want to say, wait just a second. Um, there's something called the great tradition of the church, and the great tradition is larger than you think. And uh, we've talked about this before, but it, it allows uh, it allows us to say, you know, God seemed to judge Wesley and Whitfield. He seemed to judge, bless Wesley and Edwards. He seemed to bless the Arminian and the Calvinist in the in the in the first Great Awakening, and he didn't parse that they needed to repent of what someone else held as their uh, standard view within the Great Tradition. And by the way, people who don't know the language of the Great Tradition, it means this that that there's a variety of viewpoints that in the great tradition of the church are not considered heretical, um, that they are considered uh, within the pale of normal Christianity over which Christians have um, sort of intramural debates. Um, Lots of people try to draw those lines and say, no, this is you're either in or out. And so I see those judgments happening and I get soured and I think of this verse Uh, In Romans, who are you to judge another man's servant? Yeah.
1: (laughs) 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 Well, yes. Well, exactly. And you know, there's there's people throwing opinions around. You know, instead of waiting and watching and opening your heart to the possibility that God is moving. (laughs) Excuse me. I do hear
4: them saying, "Wait." I do hear them saying that. But as they do it, all of their caveats are, but these things have to happen first. And they, they are along the lines of the stuff that I'm discussing. And, yeah. and so you know that actually their conclusion is baked into their um, assumption.
1: Well, don't you think sometimes sometimes it's a sign that God is moving when it does attract craziness, you know? I yeah. mean, and I don't think that, I don't think that we can say it is or it isn't a revival based on uh celebrities or no celebrities based on you know uh uh the flesh getting in there and no flesh getting in there and to, because I think it's always always a mix there's always I remember years ago when I during the renewal, I got I got touched in a church that wasn't experiencing the what we called the renewal. You know, Randy was all the way over on the East Coast. I was on the West Coast. I was in a church that was not for Toronto. They were not for Toronto. They didn't they thought that it was probably demonic or mixed or something. And so they did not take an official position and they did not align themselves with it. Okay. And I, and I got touched. I I got radically touched by the Holy spirit. And so I am salivating, looking for somebody who can explain this to me, what is going on in my life, you know? And so the closest church to me at that time that I knew was having this renewal stuff go on was harvest rock. And they were in the old, they were in the old building back in my auditorium, you know, and Lou Engel, he was still young back then, you know, and he, and I, and so they were having this, uh, they were having this, uh, meeting, you know, and the guy from Toronto, from the airport, uh, from the airport vineyard, uh, church was going to be there. And several other people were going to be there that were part of whatever was going on. And so I went to the, it was like 2000 people packed into this auditorium. I'd never seen anything like it. People are dancing with flags and jumping up and down. And people were walking around clucking like chickens. Some of them were barking like dogs. Some of them were falling on the ground laughing, you know, and I'm like, what is, I mean, I grew up in a tradition that we had revival meetings and I got saved at one, but, but they weren't, they weren't like that at all, you know, they were very, they were very orderly. And and so I went outside, you guys know this story. I went outside, I laid my hands on the building and I started calling the meeting to order because this is all (laughs) I knew. Okay.
2: How'd How'd that work out?
1: Yeah. The Holy Spirit rebuked me. Yeah. The Holy Spirit rebuked me. He said, Kim, I mean, he actually said these words because at that time I was hearing like, Of a voice, you know, but not I. I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, Kim, if you can't get over yourself, you're not going to get what I brought you here to get. And in that building, there is surely my spirit moving and there is surely the flesh. And yes, there is also some demonic, but I brought you here to receive something from my Holy Spirit. And if you can't get past your own self, you won't receive it. And I knew in that moment, man, that manifestations and judging all that's going on in a way that kept me from receiving from the Lord was just my pride. It was just, Kim, you called yourself into over. I did. I called my, right, right. I called it. And I went back in there and I got got touched again. I got radically touched again. And and never since has any of the manifestation stuff bothered me. It's like, yeah, you know, there's, there's going to be a mix. People sometimes move in the flesh because they have FOMO. You know, they have fear of missing out and they want to be seen and look like they're receiving a touch. And so, you know, they're doing the kumbaya. Oh, I feel it. Oh, I feel it. And they don't necessarily, you know, and then there's others. When the Holy Spirit is moving, you guys know this, man, it happened in my church a few weeks ago. The Holy Spirit drops in the room in a manifest presence. Yes, everyone is care- who has the Lord, they're carrying the Holy Spirit and they come in the room, we bring, and then, you know, we're all together and we're praising the Lord. We're starting to worship and the Holy Spirit, the manifest presence starts to drop in the room. And there's two two young girls in front of me. They drop to the ground and start manifesting. And so they got delivered right there in the service. I don't know. I'm just saying to other churches, you know, like when was the last time when the holy spirit moved in your church it caused demons to flee your people you know i mean we're gonna have these kinds (laughs) of things happen you know and so you can't say well that's not that's not the lord well maybe it's exactly the lord when all of that Uh, begins to happen you
2: know you bring up an interesting point kim of of the move of the holy spirit because uh (laughs) they were offended at jesus you know he's yeah you know demons by you know bills right Uh, They're offended at Jesus. When Jesus shows up, it always offends. We look at John Wesley, which we think, well, that was an orderly revival. But one of his advocates is a guy named Labington, who writes a book called Enthusiasms of the Early Methodist and Papist and the Apologetic, where at that period of time was the Catholics are demonized, Papist, and so there is no apologetic. And what's happening with Wesley is definitely demonic. Uh, When we look at the Jesus movement, the offense was hippies, right? Like, like they're not welcome. They're unclean. And God takes something that's so offensive to culture. And that's where he, he pours out on. With Toronto and, and having been there, it's like. It was like the it, laughter. It was the laughter. People shaking bacon. No one had a theology for it. And it actually forced people to go back into revival moves and go, this is what God has done. Now in Asbury, it's it almost appears to be counterculture. Because in church in the West, it's become church growth and the production and this is not a production. This is real simple. The the big names aren't invited in. Well how can God do a revival without the big names? And I think God's showing himself in a new way. Yeah. That God God wants to move uh, without the hype and, and without all the the shake and bakes. It's 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 the flow of the Holy right. Spirit.
1: And I think I think we need to make a point here because this has been on my mind for the last few weeks, you know. Um, I I am I am, I don't really like the celebrity culture that has been built in the church. Okay. I don't, I don't like that. However, I want to say that usually in, in, uh, we have seen throughout history that God does raise up men and women mm-hmm. whose names are known all over the world and who, you know, and they become quote unquote famous, you know, they're not looking for fame. They're not trying to be famous. They're not doing it for fame, you know, but God lifts up their, lifts up their, their uh, face and their name, you know, in, in the culture or, you know, in other nations and all of that. And I think that's perfectly fine. I want to make a distinction between that and the celebrity culture that we're talking about, because, because if God should decide at some point you know, that that the Holy Spirit is and it's breaking out in many other places, not just Asbury. But but he begins to lift someone up and they become well known, you know, and their name that that we're not saying that then. OK, then that's not revival. So, you know, he does use people who are I mean, we all know Randy Clark. Yep. Randy Clark's name is known. It will be it will, he'll go down in church history. We know that, you know, and yet the man is humble. And he sticks with his calling and he has been faithful and we all love him, you know, and we wouldn't call him uh, part of that celebrity culture. So I just want to make a distinction. What we're talking about celebrity culture is those who are trying to make their name famous, who are trying to get that 15 minutes of fame using using. Asbury using any means possible to become known, not allowing God to do whatever He, you know, it's the difference between Babel Wright, who's you know they're trying to make a name for themselves, and then you know the Lord said to Abraham, "I'm going to make a name for you." I, you know, there are there are but, those that God
4: lifts yeah. up. Kim, you know uh, Thomas Kidd, a historian of the Great Awakening, uh, in his book where he chronicles the first Great Awakening. Uh, he argues that George, um, George Whitfield uh, was was um, was the first American celebrity. Period. Mm. I mean, like he's talking of the, the first American person to wow. find themselves on the lips of people everywhere because news traveled. Uh, Whitfield was uh, was a man of um, incredible voice he was he was a guy who could speak to multitudes of crowds with his natural voice and Mm -hmm. and obviously he had a great personality but so what you're saying is true god raises people up and and they become um, a they become something of a they become well known nothing wrong with that Uh, but always when that happens you're always going to have people (laughs) who tip to get a name for themselves and that's a good that's a good warning. What you just said, the contrast of the of Babel, and the contrast of God's call on Abraham, uh, because God says, "I'm going to make your name great." Yes, and that, that worked out pretty good.
1: It did, and there's there's not a thing wrong with that. There's not a thing wrong with some of the worship leaders and the preachers and the people that we know you know who have become well known and um but you know it's about it's about motive and of course oftentimes we can't judge motive only only God can and that people of uh ill repute will say uh being drawn to to a place like Asbury you know I'm just like hey hey if you're lost, you need saving. You need deliverance, and you you have a you have a reputation that needs to be healed. Hey, go and get healed. You know what I mean? Maybe maybe the enemy draws them, but maybe maybe God is going to heal them. I you know I think that sometimes we speak before we understand what God is yeah. really doing, and you and sometimes in times like this you just gotta back up a bit, and you know what? And 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 sometimes you gotta shut up a bit. You know, and wait and watch and allow and and allow God to do what God only can do. You know, I mean, if three, if if one young person at Asbury catches the fire, becomes the next Billy Graham, how can you say that it wasn't a revival? It was.
4: You know, uh, that was mad. Um, can you tell? <laughs> Preach. Don <John> Weber <laughs> used to say, don't trim the bush before it's time. That's just say, one. wait, wait till you see what you got. But having said that, I think there's uh, two things that they're that talking about about Asbury. One is the decision made by the leadership of the school to um, uh, bring uh, what I would call um, levies to the river, uh, you know, to, to bring some guidance there. And two, the translocal nature of the thing that if you're paying attention, the, it, it says... I think it says not that Asbury has stirred something, but that it's that God stirred Asbury and then what he's doing there, he's doing in many places. So I like to, yes. l- let's, let's, uh, let's not miss, let's talk about what the administration did. What do you guys think about that?
2: I think it was wisdom. I, I, I personally think it was wisdom They they're, they're controlling who comes in. They haven't turned it over to a personality. They're letting, by the very nature of it, start off. Uh, I think the first message, it started in a chapel. The guy who spoke was speaking a, a message on love, and uh, yeah. and, it, and then it just overflowed, and it started it started to well up. So I think the ability to take what is organic, what is of the Lord, and keep it that way is good. It's like they're not letting the weeds grow up in that garden.
4: We yeah. don't have a local God. Our God is not is not a God who dwells <laughs> over there,
2: right?
4: Our, our God is the God of all the earth, right? So I was getting I was getting texts from Australia of what was happening yep. among Catholic boys in Australia. I was getting texts from Paraguay about what God was doing at YWAM Base in Paraguay. I was getting yep. were, you, were you guys were you guys getting yeah. notices from yes. people about things happening? Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah. All over the country. Mm-hmm. And, and, bruises, and churches, bruises. and churches yeah. saying, We had a meeting and the Holy Spirit dropped in an unusual way, yeah. you know. And has it gone on for two weeks? In some of them, yes. In some of them, no. But they're noticing that they're being visited in a new way. And that's the word they use that we're having some kind of visitation. It's beginning to happen. It's stronger every time we meet. Those kinds of things, and it's 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 stirring an excitement, and it's increasing the hunger of the people. That's beautiful.
3: Well, with social media, I mean, we're able to peer into this revival without having been there. Yeah, I mean, there's a way that people can actually just see it and experience it. You know, when when he came the first time to Asbury, well, when he came in 1970. You know, we didn't have any social media to pour into that, look into that event. It lasted uh, what, eight days or something days. like that. Eight days. eight days. Eight days. But the impact of that was was massive. We we had a our, we we had a guy from Asbury come to our church in 1970. His name was David Perry, and uh, my dad was a, I mean he was a man who was hungry for revival. I mean, we, we had C.L. Culpepper come to our church in Odessa, Texas. Now, he's part of the Shantung Revival. Right. Some of you guys might remember that. Uh, Shantung Revival. You know, Louis Drummond, uh, who was president of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. He was, for the longest time, he was Randy's, I think, evangelism professor. Uh, you know, said that, that Shantung Revival was the greatest revival that Southern Baptists ever experienced. Mm. And. So, you know, I was a young kid in the 60s. Culpeper comes to our church. We had we the breeze of the Holy Spirit blow into the church. We had, you know, Jack Taylor, he had Bertha Smith come down to his church, you know, and she just, she blew it up, but it was a holiness thing. I mean, she was, it was a holiness thing. And then they'd 3000 people like or something like that. I don't know what it was. And, you know, in a, in a few months and. It would, but it started off with the people like this. Well, here we were. My dad's hungry for that stuff. He's a student of revival. He, this thing breaks out. He invites somebody to come. So he, you know, we're, we're praying for this. I mean, it's like just a few days before. where well, we're praying for this, and we have a guy come on Sunday morning, and kind of laid the foundation for a revival. And then, you know, Sunday night church. You know, it's usually a very small crowd, but it was packed out. And and uh, we we sang. The guy wasn't there. He hadn't showed up. We sang and sang and sang until he did. It was probably 45 minutes. And and you know he's a, he's already speaking at another place. He comes in and he only talks 20 25 minutes. You know he says this happened and that happened because Jesus is Lord. This happened and that happened because Jesus is Lord. I mean that was his whole that was his message. He finished up, prayed, and he and he walked out. And he goes to some other place to, to talk. And so we're all just sitting there. And all of a sudden, you know, it's like, what do you do with that? And and we just, all of a sudden, it just, we, God began to move. And we began to hear people weeping. And there, the man stands up who's this old deacon codger mean old guy calls out to another guy across the room and says, will you call this name out? Will you forgive me? And they stand up and they run and they hug. And and all of a sudden, (laughs) I mean, the whole room was like that. People getting Uh with each other. And, you know, and then pretty soon, you know, people are going back because we didn't have cell phones back in 1970. They're going home and they're, they're, and they're going to people's houses and they're dragging them back. And, I mean, we were there until after midnight in this first Baptist church of a county seat town in Oklahoma, right in the middle of the Bible Belt, experiencing God. And it was only for one night, but it's like years and years. Every time they talk about that, I mean, they all talked about that for years and years when God came and visited because they were were changed that night. Yes. And that church was never the same. Like I wasn't the same. You know i mean it was just, it was a, it was amazing how that just happened you know and and now mm-hmm. i think I mean, it, now we're able to kind of see it with social media and it's like oh my goodness i, the, I all that is doing is just creating hunger it created yeah. the thousands yeah. who are showing up reveals hunger it, it reveals yes. the condition right of the church. It is the fruit right. of what we have been praying for yes. for a long time. God, would you just come? Would you just come and do go. it? Would you do something that we know it's you and only you can do? You know, that that man that didn't orchestrate that man did like, it's like, in and, in and, and, and when we see it, you know, like all these campuses, it's like they're, they're just getting lit up. Yeah. I mean, it's like, well, that, I mean, in their secular campuses too. So, yes. You know, and they're like, you know, Texas A&M and some of these other places, you know, it's like, oh my right. goodness. This, I, I remember Jesus, you know, in the scripture said this, those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. And you just want to say, church, do you have eyes to see? And ears to hear. Do not be judging something unless you have a unless you have an angel standing next to you telling you, "Oh, this is not God." I would not dare. You know, you got to think about Gamaliel, right? I mean, here, here he is. I mean, they're they're going to they're they're going to pound on these guys, and he finally says, "All right, guys." let's be careful what we do with this. Cause if, if this is man, it is going to die out. But if this is God, we might find ourselves even opposing God. Right. Mm. You know? So for the critics, I would say at this time, I would just shut up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. And I think, I know we're, we've run out of time. We're going to, we're going to end this one, but we'll be back. Um, but I think, I think I'd like to close uh, with what exactly what you said, Rodney. Yeah. It's time for us to ask God to give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Yeah. I, I really think as I, as I have watched and listened in and um, you know, we can talk about it all day long, but really, how is it affecting us personally? And to those who are listening, whatever however long it lasts, You know, now's the time to get in on it. I mean, you don't want to miss ever a touch from the Holy Spirit that is in any way special. And we and we can be touched at any time, at any moment. I know that. And I know that we walk with God and we we have him with us at all times. Jesus came in the flesh and he he died a real death and he rose again. And we're coming up on Easter very soon. And but now is the time to open up your heart and ask God to give you eyes to see and ears to hear. Now's the time for us to pray that it would, you know, I was thinking of the Girl Scout song we used to we used to sing, Kumbaya, my Lord, you know, and it means come by here, God. Come by here. So, Rodney, would you would you pray for our listeners and then and then Dr. Hawk and Dr. Goff, um, would you follow him? And could we just pray for those who are listening that their that their hearts would be open, that God would touch them, that their that they would see and hear what God is doing in our day because he's moving and it's a glorious, it's a glorious thing. It reminds us that we are not alone in all the things that we have been suffering and, and dealing with and facing in these days.
3: So Lord, I just uh, ask you to forgive us for judging something without really being there and experiencing you or your heart. Lord, I I ask that you just put a check in our heart. And Lord, let us hear your voice. Lord, we we wanna we wanna have eyes that see what you're doing and what you're up to. Lord, we wanna we wanna have ears, Lord, that that hear your voice. And so Lord, we want you to position us, Father, just to remove all of the judgments, all of the hurts, all of the woundings, all of the things that we have just labeled other people with and lord we just ask you just to let us just stand before you give us a heart that just comes before you and says lord we want to see you on this earth jesus we want to see what you said the glory to go to the ends of the earth that we want you to fill the earth with your glory and lord we just we just say lord come come lord we just pray for For the billions of souls, Lord, who don't have a relationship with you, Lord, who need an encounter with you, Lord, whatever it takes to bring your glory on this earth. Lord, and I just want to thank you, Father, for the spirit of just the humility that we observe. Father, what you started, Father, keep lighting the fires and keep us positioned to receive from you. Thank you, Lord.
4: Father God, I am the one who has been the skeptic. I'm the one who has who has uh, not had eyes to see. All around me, people have been testifying that God is about to do, to move. Lord, you know the friends that have spoken to me and said, you know. Lift up your head, the fields are ripe for harvest. And I've said, No, nope, I don't see it. And suddenly, Lord, in the in the simple songs of people who are now the age I was when I met you. Oh, Jesus. Mm. There's simple songs, Lord, mm-hmm. have broken that broken my hard heart Mm -hmm. and uh, quickly, Lord, I've been able to say, Oh, God is doing something. Bless it. Bless it. Bless it. Bless it. Bless Mm -hmm. it. Yes. And so father, we, we do, we, we, uh, we are not capable of judging those who are your servants. Um, but we would say, Lord, um, like your disciples of old, open our eyes to see the fields, yes, to see the harvest, and um, to see Jesus again.
2: Yes. Father, we are so hungry for you. And Lord, I ask right now in the name of Jesus... That Lord, where there's been a spirit of slumber across your church, that Father, that they would awaken to hear your voice. Father, we pray out over a generation that has gone astray. And Lord, we pray over these young people and we call out the, the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, and the evangelists. Father, we are asking right now just that you would put a holy hunger within your church right now, a disdain for the normal and a hunger for the holy right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in Asbury. And Father, all judgmentalism and pessimism and skepticism be broken off. And Lord, let the pure, unadulterated hunger for you and and the move of what you're doing right now, that Father, we would align with what you're doing. Father, we pray let your kingdom come Yes. yes. Your will be yes. done. Yes. On earth as it is in heaven. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. And, um, praise you
3: Lord. Kumbaya,
1: my Lord. Kumbaya. Yeah. my Lord. Kumbaya. Yes. my Lord. Kumbaya. Kumbaya, my Lord. Kumbaya, Kumbaya, Kumbaya. Lord, we ask that you would come by here. Yeah. Yeah. Lord, we ask that you would come into our lives. Lord God, give us a fresh touch. I'm hungry, Lord, for something new and something more, something fresh, God. And I have known you for many, many years, Lord God, but I know that you bring again and again a fresh touch because that's who you are. You are always new and you make things new. Father, touch my family. Touch the families, Lord God, of of Dr. Nick and Dr. Hawk and Dr. Rodney. Lord Jesus, touch our families. God, come by our families, come by our cities, come by our church, come by our universities, Lord God, and come by all the young people, Lord Jesus. We just see, Lord God, you moving at Asbury and all these places, Lord God, among the young people, Lord Jesus. The young people who have the testimony of their father's generations, Lord God, but, but to them, they're just stories. They don't have much power because they haven't experienced you for themselves, Lord God, but now's the time. And so we thank you, Lord, and we ask you to come by here. And we praise you, God, for what you are doing. We praise you, Lord Jesus, for what you are doing. The smallest thing, the unseen things, Lord God, the big things, Lord God, the things that we don't even understand, Lord God, we praise you and we welcome you, Lord God, into our lives and into our homes, into our churches, into our cities, Lord God. And Father, we bless what you are doing, Lord God, though we don't understand it all. And we thank you that you, you know, it comes to my mind, Lord, that, that passage of scripture, what is mind that, what is man that you are mindful of him? Mm. That we are so small, Lord God, and so insignificant. And yet, Lord God, you, you, you come, you show up, you manifest, Mm. you do something new, you refresh, you revive, you come at just the right time. And so we thank you for what you're doing in the name of Jesus. Amen. Man. Well, everybody, that's all we have time for today. I'm so glad that you were listening in. Thanks guys for, for joining me and uh, we'll see you back next time. And until then, never throw away your confidence. Keep moving forward.
0: Thank you for listening to the voice of the shepherds podcast. Be sure to join Dr. Nick Goff, Dr. Alan Hawkins, Dr. Rodney Hogue, and your host, Dr. Kim Moss each month. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. You can find out more about Voice of the Shepherds and discover many outstanding resources by visiting KimMoss.com.